And today is November 2nd, November 2nd, 2016. The title of tonight's message is Birds of Prey and the Glory of God. Amen. Birds of Prey and the Glory of God. We're starting off in Haggai chapter 2. Say there when you are there. there. Want to make sure. It's kind of tucked away in the minor prophets here, right? That's what we call them in the minor prophets. Because of the length, they are not minor in content, however. They are major because they are part of the holy scripture that we are to learn, that we are to love, that we are to delve into. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this, On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Um, b- before we go on, the 21st day of the seventh month. You know, when, before you start learning some of this, you're like, Amen. You just gave me a calendar date. Fantastic. You have the seventh, the 21st day of the seventh month of Tishri. So what we're saying is that on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Sukkot, the word of the Lord came forth. All right, we've just finished studying some of these things. I'm trying to make sure that we tie it in so that these bits of information, I know our church, we give you a lot of information. But the point is not that we're trying to wow you with information. We're trying to build to your knowledge so that as you go through and read the word, you go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Sukkot begins on the 15th day. So seven days after, if you start counting on the 15th as day one, on the 21st day, you get the seventh day the last and greatest day of the Feast of Sukkot. Incredible. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua of Jehozadak, the um, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Um, Just a little secret about Haggai as you're reading through. For whatever reason, the the way that the word of the Lord is recorded there, it continues to say these, these three groups of people. Zerubbabel. He's the governor. We find more about him, and you hear about him in Ezra. You hear about him in Zechariah. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That is spoken to Zerubbabel, right? The governor of Judah. To Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. He gives you a governor. He gives you a high priest, and then the people. He talks to the governor, and to the high priest, and to the people. He keeps over and over again saying very specifically to the leadership get a witness in the leadership this twofold leadership team plus the people that are there speak to Zerubbabel son of Shealtiel governor of Judah to Joshua son of Jehozadak the high priest and to the remnant of the people ask them who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory what God is charging the people to do is to rebuild the temple of the Lord let me give you just a little bit of a uh, of a timeline to help us out just a tiny bit Okay, so we have around the year 1000 B.C., we have King David, approximately, right? Just trying to give us some uh, principles. Right after 1000 B.C., we have King Solomon, and he builds this incredible temple to the Lord. You can see what happens as they bring in the supplies from all over. The, the beauty with which the Solomonic temple was built is is historic it is legendary across the 
the scope of the entirety of the human race. An incredible thing. As they go forward, we have, this was around, I'm going to say that the Solomonic Temple was around 960, give or take a few years in there, depending on who you read. Okay, we go forward and we start having some captivity in the land of Judah and Israel. There's an Assyrian captivity that takes place in about 605, wow, sorry, 605 B.C. And then there's a Babylonian captivity that comes in five, it completes its, itself in about 586 B.C. So in 586 B.C., when the Babylonians came in, on the 9th of Av, the first temple was destroyed. This temple that was built back here in Solomon's day. Okay? As time goes forward, I'll just let you know that this temple that we're going to talk about here was completed and dedicated somewhere around 516 or 515 B.C., depending on the calendar that you look at. It's kind of interesting that one was destroyed and 70 years later we get one that is rebuilt. I'm sure that's just a complete coincidence because Scripture is always about coincidence, right? No, of course not. <laughs> it is divine purpose and we see the judgment of God that comes upon the people. Okay? So we, this is what we're reading about. So he's saying in verse 3, Who of you is left that saw this house in its former glory? This is somewhere before 516 as they are beginning to rebuild the temple. Zerubbabel's temple. Right? So we're seeing they're like, well, maybe if you're old enough, we're somewhere here you could have seen the other temple and understood what it was like and maybe seen this one as well. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? How do you like me now? <laughs> um, does, it not, does it not seem to you like nothing? Isn't that, isn't that an interesting thing? That doesn't seem that impressive, does it? Uh, when we talk about the tabernacle, we've spent a lot of time in the last few weeks. It seems that God is causing our hearts and our thoughts to revolve around the tabernacle and around the temple. Have you noticed that? Yes. A lot of messages, a lot of teachings around, around what it's like and where the tribes were placed and what it was made of. Incredible things. I've been studying since I've been a believer and there's been things that I've, I've learned personally in the last few weeks. It's been so enjoyable. It seems like God is bringing us around some of this again. The tabernacle, not that big. The whole scope, the whole footprint of it was the size of an average Dollar General store. The outer court. The inner court was 15 feet by 45 feet approximately. We're talking a single wide trailer. If you're from Louisiana like me, you have a pretty good idea of exactly how big that is. I, I have a good concept of that. We were in a tent out on... Submission Ministries land, and the tent was somewhere around 20 by 40. We're actually standing under a tent. I'm going, I can, this is about, this is roughly the size of what the Holy of Holies and the Most Holy Place would have been. That did not escape me while we were there. I was like, wow, this is really, it kind of helps to put it in perspective. Does it not seem like nothing to you? <laughs> have you ever looked at something and went, yeah, that's just, there's just not much to that. Maybe you've even looked at people on a stage and went like, yeah, I just don't see much. Maybe you've looked at yourself and you've gone, 
Yeah, I just don't see much there as far as earth-shattering, powerful. How, how is this going to be? And this is what he's saying. Look, doesn't it seem like nothing? Verse 4, but now be strong. You know what that word is? Kazakh. Be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Kazakh, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, Kazakh, all you people of the land. There he does it again. It's something important when God calls your name. It's something important when he's saying it a certain way. You can't ignore the way, not only what God is saying, but the way he's saying it. Have you ever had to like search out something? You're like, Lord, why won't you tell me what to do? If you'll just tell me what to do, I'll go do it, I promise. Okay, just me and Kim. That's it. I'm going home. No. I've had situations, I'm like, Lord, if you'll tell me, I'll do it. If you tell me to go this way, I promise I'll go. Why won't you just tell me? Why won't you just make this clear? You know why? Because he wants me to continue to search it out. There is something glorious in me searching it out. There's something me going, Lord, I don't know, and yet I'm still going to move forward in you. I'm still going to do the last thing that you told me and tell, Lord, I need an answer to this. Well, he knows that I need an answer to that. And he, and he wants me to ask him. I'm asking him, Lord, you got to show me. What do I do with my kids? Where do I send them next? Where do we go? How do we make this decision? What job? What, what do we want us to do, Lord? What's the next step in our life, Lord? And he's saying, it sounds like he's saying nothing to us. It sounds like the heavens have become silent. Lord, just tell me. Just tell me. Yeah, he'll get to that. But in the meantime, you know what we're supposed to be doing is, Lord, I'm completely dependent on you. Because oftentimes, at least in my life, you know what I do? Is when he does tell me something, I'm like, thanks, I'll see you later. Whoosh. I got it now, I'll take it from here. Really? That's what I do in my life. I don't know about you guys. A lot of times he has to be limited on what he can tell me because I'm going to go run off and try to do it in my own strength if I'm not careful. I'm going to go, okay, great, now I've got the direction then I fill in about 4,000 details, none of which he said to me, none of which he has instructed me in. <laughs> I get my own concept of what it should be and how quickly it should be done. Oh, Lord giving me a great direction for my life. I guess I, I could do that by next Thursday. Yeah, right, that'll take you 20 years. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, so maybe that's why he doesn't always show me as much as I think that I should have. Maybe his word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Maybe it doesn't matter that I know everything that I need to know right now because it, that would remove my desire to trust Him. But I like the idea that He'll just show me now. It's not how He works. Because it's not good for us. It's not good for us at all. But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And what's the next word? Work. And work. you better work. Yeah. What? Be strong. In other words, cause something to rise up within you that says no matter how much this is going to take, you know what? I'm going to do it. If this takes the next 
five minutes, then I've got enough strength. If it takes the next five years, I've got enough strength. If it takes the next 50 years, I'm going to do it. This is the type of church that we are not uh, unfamiliar with the idea of you better work. You, be, you better get to it. We're the type of church that says uh, not just look at a mountain and tell that it can and say to it be cast into the sea and we think that some miraculous hand from the heaven is just going to pick up a mountain and dump it in the water. We're the type of church, you're the type of church that will say, I'm going to tell this mountain to be removed in Jesus' name. Now hand me a shovel. Now wait, brother. Wait, wait, just wait a minute, brother. No, this is exactly, this is the kind of faith that I have. God can remove it. He can cause the earth to shake. I'm not worried about that. If he wants it done that way, fine. Until then, I got a shovel. Because he told me to go and remove this mountain, so I'm just going to go remove the mountain. What a ludicrous idea, right? Doesn't that sound silly to you at first? But it's not silly because it's God's will for your life. What mountain are you needing to move in your life? Then get a shovel. Rise up. Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, people. And work. Look at, look at the word for work right here. Look at the word for work. It is Hebrews. Is, uh, it's the word Asa. It's the word for work. What we have here is an I-N. Actually, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, I'll do it. I'll do it this way, yeah, from right to left. So we have an I-N, then we have a Shin, and then we have a hey. An I-N, a Shin, and a hey. So we have here Revelation. We have Press or to devour, and we have to watch or to know. You know what this work, the word work here means? is included in the definition in the Strong's is this idea that you're working, you're pressing in to a revelation that God has given you, but it's in light of something that is before you. You're working for the Lord. It's almost like Hebrews 12 tells us that for the joy set before Him, Jesus Christ endured the cross, scorning its shame. There was something that was set before him, and that gave him the purpose to go ahead and do the work. I do not like practicing and doing things that don't have a point. I don't like doing that. I don't like sitting somewhere and, and doing, uh, if, and maybe somebody has this in here, and God bless you. If I had a job where I was moving widgets just over and over again, oh my goodness. Just one monotonous task, I don't, I don't think I would be a very nice person, right? I have to have a purpose to what I'm doing. And if I can't figure it out, to my detriment sometimes, I don't always work as hard as I should. But what we're saying here is be strong and work. What has God put before you? Well, then work at it. Be serious about it. Go after it with all that you have. And look at the next phrase. For I am with you. Now wait a minute. God is with us? Let me, let me show you what this word with is here. 
It's number 854, and it's the word et. Right, Riley? It's et. And the letters here are an alf and a tav. Okay, before I start explaining this, more. An alf and a tav. This is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's almost like when God is saying, I will be with you. You know what he's saying? In the New Testament, we get it, but it, it looks like this. He is the Alpha and Omega. You know what Alpha and Omega are? The Greek letters. The beginning letter and the end letter. What we have here is the Hebrew version. What the Hebrews would have said would have been Alf and Tov. What God is saying here is that I am the first and the last. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I will be with you from start to finish. I got you on this. I am with you. Amen. Ever had anybody say that I'm with you? Have you ever had anybody say that to you and then they weren't with you? I got you back, man. Yeah, way back. <laughs> Come on. Hey, you know the same people I do. Yeah, I know those people. Man, I'm with you no matter what. Unless it's difficult. Unless it's hard, unless it costs them something, then they're like, hey man, you know when you said you'd be with me? Yeah, man, I can't be there. I'm going to come back and I'm gonna, uh, we're going to define this in just a second. This definition, when you look in the Strong's, it actually says it's compared to a different word. It says, compare it with Hebrew 5973. The word is im. It also is translated as with. <laughs> this is more um, of an equality or a companionship. Companionship. This is what happens when I write and try to speak at the same time. Please pardon that. This means I'm with you and we're walking kind of in step. This one means... I, this is actually the way it's, it's described as it is so much closer than this word. Some people say that they're with you and they're really not. When God says that he's with you because he's with you from the beginning to the end, he is with you in such a way that it is a dynamic, it is a close relationship that he has. Let's look at a few things. Let's look at Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24. Genesis 5, 24 says this. Enoch walked it, God. He walked with God and then was no more because God took him away. <laughs> How close is that? Hey, Enoch, you're so close to me. You're closer to, to being up here with me anyway. Just come on over on this side. Just You're already here. Let's just have you stay here with me. Let's turn to... Psalm 61. I'm, I'm sorry, Psalm 67. Psalm 67 and verse 1. 
Verse 1 says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and to make His face shine with us. To shine upon us. That your ways may be known on earth, your salvation known among all the nations. Take a look at Psalm 105 since we're here. Just turn over a few pages. I'm going to give you a bonus one here in Psalm. Psalm 105. And verse 8. Psalm 105. There are some psalms that are really interesting psalms. You know what they do? It's almost like they give a history within the psalm. Uh, The Battle Hymn of the Republic. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Right? There are stories that are told in our songs, right? So these are songs that people that the that the Hebrew people would sing. And in this song, as they're doing it, to help the people of Israel remember their history, Psalms like 105 are give you a synoptic view of a lot of things that are going on. In verse 8, he says this. He remembers his covenant forever. God remembers his covenant forever. The word he commanded for a thousand generations. Um, how long is a generation? Forty years? Hundred years? Do you realize if, if human beings have been on this earth, I'm going to use the Jewish calendar. I'm going to start with their calendar since they were here first. <laughs> Started with Adam, right? We are in the year 5776. Or did we just go to seven? Seven. We are in the year 5777 right now. Less than 6,000 years. If God is saying that I will be with you and I'm going to remember you for a thousand generations, we haven't even scratched the surface of a thousand generations. If you made it every 10 years, we still haven't hit that. You can make it every six years. We still haven't hit this yet. In other words, he's saying, look, I got you guys. For a thousand generations. Sometimes we don't, we don't think about it like that. Well, let's put it at 20 years because well, it doesn't matter. We have, there's no way when he says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to remember you, I'm going I'm to be with you for a thousand generations. He's, he's saying this is so much further than you can comprehend. The word he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant he made with Abraham. The oath he swore to Isaac. The covenant that he made with Abraham. Turn to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43. Let's take a look. Let's just start at verse 1. Isaiah 43.1 says this, But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. It's something when the Lord... Obviously, He was speaking to a people group here. But when you start thinking about this and you place yourself as you're reading the Word and understanding, you're trying to place yourself here in the context of what's going on, just the very thought that I'm not supposed to fear because He's redeemed me. 
He's called me by name, and I belong to him. What a powerful, powerful thought. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. No matter what the difficulty that you have going on in your life, if He is with you, then those things don't even matter. They don't leave the mark that you think they should. You know what one of the amazing things about the three Hebrew children and the fiery furnace? One of my favorite parts about it. O King, our Lord can deliver us, but even if He doesn't, we're not going to bow our knee to you. Love how they stood up. Heated up seven times. Great. The people who threw the boys in died because it was so hot. The people who are trying to cause your death can expire because of God's presence and His protection on you. The king is in turmoil. Right? These guys, when they came out, the only thing that got burned off was the things that were binding them. The things that you think are going to destroy you are designed to take off your fetters. The things that you think are going to eat you alive are actually about to liberate you if you'll allow God to be with you. That was good. That was for us. Hey, I'm enjoying it too. <laughs> I'm hearing from the Lord as it's coming out of my mouth. So amen. The things that you thought were going to bind you forever. Come on. Stay with Him. But you know what my, one of my favorite parts about this is? Is that they came out of the fire liberated, free. And they didn't even smell like smoke. Shut it down, man. Come on, man. Now, I don't know why. I'm weird. I get it. I don't even know why that that always sticks in my brain so much, but I was like, I mean, not that God kept them from being burned alive. I'm like, yeah, that's great, but they didn't even smell like smoke, bruh. What you think may leave residuals on your life for the years to come? You're not even going to have the residue of what the enemy tried to use to kill you. It's just part of your testimony. You won't even smell like the smoke of the fire that you think is about to burn you alive. Come on, man. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Verse 3, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you, and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Come on now. This is life-changing verses that we're reading here. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. We're going through law, prophet, writing, older and newer testament. Matthew 28. Let's look at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven. Everybody say all. All, all means all. <laughs> Pastor Mike taught us that few months back. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It does not say make converts. It does not say get people to just say a prayer with you. It says make disciples. That is the charge that we have. Of all nations, baptizing him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey 
everything I have commanded you. Everything. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When you know that this type of with is from the Alpha and the Omega, it's from the first and the last, it's from the beginning to the end, it makes sense that he's saying it here. I am with you. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Come on, Shiloh. She was feeling that one. Say amen. Shiloh, I love it. 2 Corinthians 13. The final greetings to the church at Corinth. To the people at Corinth. Second Corinthians 13, and we're going to start in verse 11. It says this. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. You know, this is the, this is the list that you're the parent right before you're about to leave the house. Okay, you better finish up your school. You, better, you, you need to do the dishes. You need to take out the garbage, right? This is the list of things that, that he's given at the end of this. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Come on, this is exactly, I love this. Turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation. Singular revelation. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We get revelations in our life. This book, Revelation, chapter 1, verse 8. Just thought I'd hit that while I'm at it. Revelation, chapter 1, verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Lord Almighty. Turn to Revelation twenty-two, thirteen. So at the beginning of the book, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. 22.13, almost the last verse in the Bible. We're down in the last final segment of the entire Holy Writ right here. Verse, let's start in verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Almost like we should be strong and work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the all in all. This is what we are basing our entire heart and our entire, entire life on. As many of you know, this, this Alf is a strong, or it's a leader. <laughs> Amazing that their letter for Tov in the ancient Paleo looks exactly like a cross. Right? This is a strong sign or monument. The fact that God is with us, it's supposed to make us strong. It's supposed to be the thing that we can keep, keep our eyes on and look towards because He's with us. So we can look at what He's done, we can look at what He said, and it's supposed to give us strength to keep carrying on and do the work. Man, incredible. Go back to Haggai chapter 2. For I am with you, declares the Lord. Verse 5. 
This is what I covenanted with you when I came out of when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Everybody say, do not fear. You know why the Bible has to say this so many times? Because we get afraid. <laughs> we were with some of the most powerful men of God that I've ever had a chance to be around in my life this weekend. Some of them are here with us tonight. You know what the enemy tries to do? He tries to make you afraid. Enemy is a big old stinking bully. You can be in the very presence of God and start worrying about things about what you're not. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 15. Keep your place there in Haggai because we will come back to it. But Genesis 15. Let's start in verse 1. After this. Everybody say, after this. After this. <laughs> Ever just thought about the stories in the Bible? You're going through and things are happening. And we could read chapters very quickly, right? They're condensed. They're short. We can read them in a few minutes. Sometimes these things are just after this. It just takes a while for it to get there. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. The Debar Yahweh came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. Wait a minute. God is talking to him. And the very first things out of his mouth that, that came to Abram in a vision here are, don't you be afraid. I am your shield and your very great reward. So, of course, Abram responds in total awesome confidence, right? The Lord just spoke to him and that word appeared to him in a vision. But Abraham, but, but, but is a conjunctive word joining two statements. The first is true, and when you use but, it's saying that the second is even more true. I really like you, but. I mean, normally I don't do this, but. But, Abram said, O oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. The word of the Lord came to him in a vision. Don't you be afraid, Abram. But, uh, see, I got this problem, Lord. You may not understand fully, but I have a problem. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Um, hang on just a second. Do you think that God didn't know what Abram just said? You thought that was escaping the Lord in this moment? Of course not. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, what is that? by the way, what does that look like? He took him outside. Hey, come with me. Come on over here. What does that look like when the Lord takes you outside? I don't know kind of cool though pretty incredible the Lord himself he took him outside and said look up at the heavens and count the stars if indeed you can count them he knows he can't that's the point then he said to him so shall your offspring be 
Verse 6, incredible, right? Abram gets it right. He's the father of the faithful. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Folks, this is the heart that we have to have. Before it happens, you see the word of the Lord and before it even starts to think about happening, he was no quick, he was no closer to getting this uh, prophecy fulfilled than the 10 seconds before it took the Lord to say it to him. But he believed it. Yes, Lord, I will accept your word in my life and it will come to pass. He did not let his thought processes of how this is difficult come in. It just said that he believed and it was credit to him. God also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. You know what God has to do to us? He has to take us out of certain things so that he could place us in the right things. God, we go kicking and screaming. We. I go kicking and screaming sometimes. But Lord, I like this. But Lord, this is comfortable. But Lord, I understand this. Just getting drug along. And he's going, I'm taking you out of this because I'm trying to put you here. I'm trying to move you from this thought process to this thought process over here. I'm trying to move you from this little small level of faith to something that is bigger and better for you. Let me move you. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? I don't view this as a disbelief. Okay, Lord, how? Okay. Because it says earlier that he believed and it was credited to him as righteousness by God. Okay, Lord, so you said you took me out of here, but I'm not quite sure how all this is going to work. So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a pigeon. Five sacrifices. You can go to the book of Leviticus and you can see that some of these could have been for burnt offerings or they could have been for fellowship offerings or they could have been different things, but there's five of them. Sometimes when we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, you know what He requires of us? A sacrifice. It's not because He's trying to do some give and take with this and go, ah, before I give this to you, you got to give me something. It's because you won't value the answer. It's because you can't, you can't handle the truth <laughs> unless you put your heart in such a place that's like, Lord, this is not, I'm not coming to you because there's a question in my heart. I'm coming to you because I need to have fellowship with you. And when I have fellowship with you, I get the answer. Lord, I want to seek your face. I want to seek being in your presence because that is what I need. I think I need an answer. But the truth is, is I just need to be with you. I need you to be with me. This is your desire. This is what you promised. So if I come and be with you, then I'll get the answer as well. If I only seek the answer, then usually it's what I said before. That's when I go off and try to do it on my own strength. But when I've been with him, you know the last thing I want to do is go off anywhere. Amen. It keeps us grounded in the right way. Verse 10, Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two to arrange the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. I'm not going to go into this tonight. Imagine this. He's talking with, he's dialoguing with the Lord. He cuts a heifer in half. All right, go. 
How long is that going to take you? It's going to take you a little while, right? How about a ram? How about, how about, how about you're going through and you're, you had to go get them? Did they just magically appear there? No, he had to go get them. This is taking a while. He arranges them. He lays them out. Now, we know that Abram is in one of the most holy moments that a human being has ever directly had with our God. A covenant that we are still getting the blessing of today. All nations of the earth will be blessed because of what this man did. Thousands of years ago. We're still reading and talking about him. He is there. He is laying out these animals. What is going to happen is usually you would walk through in a figure eight pattern. Would remind us, we use that, that pattern now for the sign of infinity. God's promises. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one that's going to start it. He's the one that's going to finish. You won't even be able to tell. You're not even worried about where it ends because His promises are going to be to us for a thousand generations. It's just going to keep going and going, right? And look at verse 11. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. Do you know what happens in your most holy moments? You get birds of prey. <laughs> you will be there in a divine encounter with God. You could be stand, I could be standing right here on the front, feeling God's presence, being overwhelmed. And then you know what can happen? There could be a bird of prey that sets in my heart. There could be a kid that cries and causes you to fall out of the third heaven. Oh, what's going on? You start worrying about things like whether you're worthy or not to be in the presence of God. He is sharing His glory with you. <laughs> He's showering His presence upon you and you feel it. Um, if He's letting you feel His presence... Stay with me here for a second. Do you need to worry about whether he wants to let you feel his presence or not? Wait a minute. You're, he's moving upon your heart. And you know what? You can get distracted. You can start thinking about something else. These things, look folks, these are birds of prey. In the most holy moments that are there. We had such an incredible weekend, and you know what I had? The reason I'm speaking to you now about birds of prey, for our friends who were there, I shared part of this the other day. Because I was having to deal with birds of prey. I was sitting there amongst godly people and going, geez, I don't know if I belong here. God, these guys are so godly. I'm standing there with them. God, by His divine power, put me standing there with them. And I'm fighting whether I should be standing there with him or not. I, I, I don't feel like I'm communicating this well. I was with them as a pastor of one of the churches. And I was arguing in myself in my heart about whether I should have been there because this is only for the pastors of the churches. I fit that. I can do that. I'm there. But should I be there? Oh my goodness! Chase the bird away and move on. Amen. We were there that morning and we got there and we were out at the tent and, 
And there were birds that were circling. There were buzzards that were circling around. Just, right? I was like, oh, that is exactly what's going on. They're just kind of waiting. Just waiting to see. And as Abram had laid out these sacrifices to the Lord, just be with me here for a second. When you lay out your sacrifices to the Lord, because they take time, this is not a microwave kind of sacrifice that you can give. It takes time. He had to go buy the... He had to take care of them. He had to present the right kind of offering. Then he had to cut them in half and arrange them a certain way. Lord, I've done all these things for you. Lord, we've sold houses. People in this church sold houses. They've given up jobs. They've given up whatever. And they've get, now, Lord, we're laying it before you. Ah! <laughs> right? It was... Sorry. Should have kept that part inside. But... But we're here in God's presence and what our job is to do is to chase away the birds of prey. Because you know what happens if we don't? Like in Matthew 13 when we, when we read about the parable of the different types of soil. What happens? The very first type of soil got thrown out and the birds came and ate it. What has God deposited into your life that you haven't gotten rid of the birds of prey and it gets stolen from you? Just nipped away. You know what you have to do? You have to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. In other words, you got to chase those things away. You know that discouragement that you keep feeling? You know that, you know that moment right after you're in the presence of God and you wish that you could go away because you're not supposed to be here? Yeah, that's just a bird of prey. Uh, that's a demonic thought. That's a, that's a thought that is not from you. you got to go chase that thing away. You know what you can't do? Like, huh, huh look, a bird. Just because you're comfortable with that bird, just because you're used to what that bird looks like, doesn't mean you're allowed to leave it, let it stay. Just because it's been the same lie that the man's been feeding you since you were five years old, doesn't mean that you should let it stay there. You should be like, I'm in a holy moment. These thoughts need to get in alignment with Christ. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to let the way that I feel overcome what God's Word says. He's either with me or He's not. You have to go back to the Word. Why, as a church, do we do our little note cards? Have scriptures. Have them in your back pocket. Have them in your, in your, have them in your Bible. Have them with you in your car. You know why we do that as a church? Because none of us are strong enough to remember this when the enemy just keeps birds sending the birds your way. You've got to remind yourself, that is not God's will. That is not His Word. I will only do what He says. He says He's with me. I'm supposed to be strong and work for him. I'm going to be like Nehemiah and say, look, should such a man like me stop doing the work of the Lord? Well, that sounds arrogant. It sounds like somebody who actually understands what they've been called to do. you got to fight these things off. You cannot allow them to stay. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been in the, in the church. I don't care how long you've been a believer. You have birds of prey that are trying to steal God's very word in your life. It just is. And sometimes the more holy the moment, the more birds you have to fight. Little, little secret there for everybody. That's not a secret at all, right? When you feel God's presence, stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about what you lack. You should focus only on Him. And when you do that, when you cause and you force your thoughts to get into alignment, you're chasing away the birds of prey. 
and you're allowing the entirety of his presence to rest there with you. What more can we want? It'll fix your insecurity. It'll fix the very thing that you're worried about if you just stay in his presence. Good God, help us. Amen. It's all of us. Some people are able to get before you and preach from incredible strength. You know what I want, you know what I've learned about myself? I have an ability to preach from my weakness. I could tell you all the crazy ways that I think. And some of it may just be humor for you, but I know that God uses that because I know that we're all more alike than we want to give credit for. The enemy's attacking you the same way he's attacking me. He's trying to get me discouraged so I won't keep working. He's trying to cause me to be so insecure that I won't speak forth. This, you don't get exempt because you step up on a stage. You actually just have to, the truth is, is you have to deal with it more and ask that God be seen in you. Lord, I can do nothing on my own. These are not signs of weakness. This is us just going, Lord, I'm going to glory in you. And if you promise it, then even if I don't feel it, I don't care anymore. Amen. You said it. This is going to be a strong sign for me. I'm going to keep pressing forward. I don't feel like it. Yep. Welcome to my life. Most things I do, I don't feel like it. I don't have a Holy Ghost goosebumps that are just on me as I go out and pray for someone. I'm like, example. Teacher, room full of kids. We were on a trip. I wanted to go home. I wanted to go back to my hotel room and go to sleep. I was so stinking tired. Mr. Sullivan, do you want to share something? No, I don't want to share anything. I don't want to read a scripture. I don't want to pray for anybody. I want to go to bed. That's not what I said, by the way. That was all the internal dialogue, right? Of course, I don't. I'm tired, man. The Lord allowed me to prophesy to every person in the room. Yeah, great man of faith, right? <laughs> like, thank you, Lord, for not holding that first part against me, you know? Hey, this is real. We keep moving forward. We don't let anything hold us back. We let the fire of the adversity burn off the things that are binding us. Amen? Back to Haggai, too, so we can wrap it up. Verse 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of the nations will come. <laughs> the desired of the nations. Who desires it? The Lord does. It's the ones that He's desiring. He desires a remnant from all nations to come to Him. And I will fill this house with glory. Come on, says the Lord Almighty. Let's hold your place here. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. <clears throat> Let's look at verse 25. I'm sorry, 26. Hebrews 12, 26 says this, At that time his voice shook the earth. 
but now he has promised. Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Does that look familiar to you? Yeah, we just read that. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. (laughs) Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, the new stuff that you are made of cannot be shaken. So what he does in our life is he allows adversity to come to shake away the things that are still of our old life. It's supposed to shake it away because you know what? What we are now made of, the strong sign that we now have is that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. Worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So when you allow yourself to continually be shaken, what happens is we're in danger of not worshiping the Lord acceptably. Come on. This is not designed to discourage you. This is designed to say, there is a way. Therefore, since we're seeing a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. I'm not nearly thankful enough. Thanksgiving should not be the only time that you think about being thankful. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Back to Haggai as we wrap this up. I will fill this house with glory. The word there for glory is 3519. And it's pronounced kavod. Kavod is the way that that word is pronounced. And it means God's glory. Turn to Exodus chapter 24. Just a few more verses here. Exodus 24 and verse 16. Exodus 24, 16, you there? Getting there, huh? For Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the kavod, the glory of the Lord, looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. (laughs) What did it look like to Moses who was close to it? Looks like a cloud. What does it look like to other people? Looks like a fire. The idea behind the man on fire here is that this is what we're supposed to look like to other people. To us, we are trying to stay in the very presence of God. We are trying to find His glory and stay exactly where He is. The weightiness of His glory. I used to hear people talk a lot. Last week, we talked about anointed and waiting. Having an anointing to do something is different than finding the kavod, the very glory of God, because it sets you on fire. There's a weightiness to God's presence in someone's life. You ever talk to somebody and they just seem to, they just always have the right thing to say? They seem to always, you're like, wow, I want to stand up and listen to this person. They have a weightiness. There's something different about it in our day that treats everything as frivolous. There should be, there's a weightiness when you get God's glory. It's not frivolous. You can't be silly in His presence. 
Not when it's really His presence. You don't want to find yourself because you're feeling it pressed down upon you. You're feeling His presence. Turn to Psalm 72. Psalm 72, verse 19. It says this, Praise be to His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with His kavod, His glory. Amen and amen. Turn to uh, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 28. I'm going to go quickly here. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so is the radiance around Him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory, the kavod of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of the one speaking. This is what happens when you really find the glory of the Lord, when He allows Himself to share His glory with you. (laughs) You want to fall face down. When you feel His presence, it may make you want to do other things, but when you find His glory... Oh, oh, God. (laughs) That's exactly where I want to learn how to stay. That's exactly where I want to learn how to be. John, uh, you can keep your place there. We're just going to run through these. John 1 and verse 14. It says this, The word of the Lord became flesh and tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Romans uh, 2, verse 7. To those who by persistence in doing good, what are they seeking? Glory. glory. We're seeking glory. By us working the way that we should, we put ourselves in a place where we are seeking the glory of God. Revelation 21, starting in verse 22, says this, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord... God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Next verse. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. What is that supposed to remind us of? It's supposed to remind us of the tabernacle. There was no light source in the most holy place. Where the Ark of the Covenant was, there was no light. There were no candles. There were no menorahs. It was the glory of God that illuminated the most holy place. This is what it's reminding us of. This city that comes down from heaven and so that God can be with us. We can be His people. He will be our God. He's saying the glory of God gives it light in our lives. Back to Haggai as we close. Starting in verse 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Not only can you look at that in a very natural way, all the resources are His. Quit worrying about the resources in your life. Seek His face. It also means when you look at the word, these words in context of what they typically mean thematically through the Bible, he's saying, redemption is mine. The silver of redemption is mine. The glory of divinity, that's mine as well. The silver is mine, the glory is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Remember what it said earlier? 
hey, you may look at this and think it's nothing. You may look at this. You may look at God's people and go, what are you talking about? That's nothing. Y'all are sending four people to Peru? That looks like nothing. Yeah, but the glory of this house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. Solomon's temple? Really? Do you know what happened when that temple got built? God's presence showed up in such a way that no one could even move because the power and the weightiness of his glory fell. The priests could not perform their duties because God was there. What is it talking about here? You know what this greater glory is? This is the very temple that lasts all the way until Jesus' day. When Jesus is 12 in the temple teaching the teachers. When he's coming through and he's cleaning out the courtyard and he's standing in a, and saying, hey, in Luke chapter 4, he's referencing back to Isaiah. When, he, when Jesus himself is standing there, this prophecy is fulfilled. When we have Christ in us, when we have Christ that is working with us, we have a greater glory. <laughs> I may look like nothing, I understand. Granted, you win. I agree with you. But what the glory that's inside of this vessel is going to be greater than anything that I've ever seen. You know why? Because I've got Christ at work in me. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. One last verse in Philippians chapter 3. As we close, uh, Peyton, you can come on up with the worship team. Philippians chapter 3. To my brothers who are listening to this message, you know what's fun? Is that between the churches of the one association, we often listen to each other's messages. <laughs> it's, it's almost a little disconcerting because sometimes someone will come up and say, oh, we were there this weekend in Gainesville, in, in the Washington, D.C. area. Pastor Wade, when you said this, and I was like, God, when did I say that? Oh, that was like three weeks ago. Oh, that was a month. That was last week. When other disciples of other houses are listening to our messages and they're going, hey, I learned a lot from this, Pastor Wade. Thank you so much. When Pastor Eric said this, when Pastor Matt taught us on this, you're like, whoa. One of the things that I learned from our friends in submission ministries, I was in a prayer meeting with them on Sunday morning. We were just down in the basement of, of Pastor Zeke's home. And I heard these men crying out, Lord, don't take the weight off of us. What? Don't take the weight and the burden of what happens to your people off of our shoulders. We want it, Lord. We want the weight of what it feels like. We want, we want to hurt when our people hurt. We want, to, we want to be moved when you're moved for our people, God. Would you never take that away from us? Would you never take this burden off of our shoulders, Lord? I was blown away. Lord, I want what they have. I want to reflect that heart, Lord. I don't think I've ever prayed that it be taken off, but they're praying that it stay on, that they feel the pressing of the Lord so that your pure anointing may flow from them. And a word was given in those moments. Because you have not wanted to throw off the weight 
of the mantle that I've placed on you, then I will add to you the weight of my presence. That's for our brothers and sisters there in submission ministries. I was blown away. It reminded me of Philippians chapter 3 and starting in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As we get ready to take communion here together, I just want communion to be this for us. It's a sign that we are fighting off the birds of prey in our life, that we are focusing on Him and His presence, and that we're asking, we're setting ourselves up for His glory to be upon us. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?